Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the green room and sharing a little bit about your guys' journey with Ampere, obviously coming off of a huge acquisition and continuing to push electric aviation forward. And we've had a couple of conversations now, so I'm going to let you explain a little bit more about Ampere, and then we can dive into the real juicy bits about your ideas around uh, aviation and how we're going to get to a fully decarbonized industry at one point in the near future. Amazing. And uh, how you guys are helping contribute. Well, thanks. So I uh, would love to hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, great to be chatting with you again. Um, you know, so uh, my background, trained as a mechanical engineer out of Caltech, worked on some exciting technologies, big aerospace companies. Five years ago, co-founded Ampere with this big vision for what could electric vehicle technology mean to aviation, right? How can we solve some of those really big problems that are the hard, hard ones to, to solve? The, the emissions impact on the environment, the noise impact on communities, some of the economic challenges that, that airlines face. Um, you know, these are these are hard problems that that over decades have, you know, airlines have, have struggled to solve them and make incremental progress. Well, we see electrification as this opportunity to have have transformational progress. Right. We, we look at this as we call it the third revolution in air, air travel, where you've got the, the first is the dawn of powered flight over 100 years ago. And halfway between then and now, you had the jet age, right? New propulsion technology, driving new aircraft types, driving new capabilities, economics, um, business models. And here we are again, a new propulsion technology, this time electric, driving that change, driving the innovation and and driving folks like me and my team to, to start companies to, uh, to, to see this thing through. So a really exciting time in the industry. Awesome. And, and what does Ampere do specifically in your own words? So at Ampere, uh, our mission is to be the world's most trusted developer of practical, compelling, electrified aircraft. And so when you when you tease that apart, uh, electric planes, right, it's taking the EV technologies and implementing them into the planes that fly. Now, going into the, the trusted, practical, compelling portions of our mission, um, we're taking a very pragmatic approach here, right? One where we're actually upgrading existing airplane types with the electric vehicle technology. So rather than inventing a clean sheet plane, which is a very long, very expensive, very challenging process, we're beginning with the known and, and tried and true and trusted planes that are already operated by these customers and upgrading them, kind of like that original Tesla Roadster, upgrading them to an electric <clears throat> uh, vehicle system. Similar on that practical approach, rather than starting with fully electric, which is definitely the long-term vision and brings the best benefits, much like a Toyota Prius started as kind of the first mass market compelling product for ground transportation, uh, we think that hybrid electric is the right place to start for aircraft. So you put all those pieces together, Ampere is upgrading existing planes with hybrid electric technologies for practical and compelling purposes, and we're doing that today. In fact, we just passed our two-year anniversary from our first flight, which was the world's largest hybrid electric plane, flew in early 2019. We've upgraded it. Last year, we deployed it out to, <clears throat> to airline routes in Hawaii, uh, world's first. So um, doing some really um, exciting really? and meaningful things uh, as you know, this electrification company. 
Really? So that, that was carrying passengers that were actually looking to fly over to Hawaii? So these were island hopping routes on Hawaii. So not from, okay. not from California or Seattle over to Hawaii. Okay. Um, but the, you know, the airline, Mokalele Airlines, that operates uh, between the islands, you get a ticket, you fly in a nine-passenger plane, and that's usually what you would do, right? And uh, they, they fly sometimes what are called essential air service routes as well kind of a lifeline route to communities that need air, air service. So what we do is we, we took one of our planes, which is in an experimental market survey category, which means that we were able to have the, the okay. airline pilots fly it. We were able to take um, not, not ticketed passengers, so it's not revenue generating, but kind of pilot project type passengers, um, and then fly on this route. And it, the real key thing was it was a daily operation, just like the airline would have done, where we'd do two round trip flights per day. So pretty high utilization, much higher than at least what we're aware of anybody else in the industry doing. And, uh, and you know, you, when, you, when you try to do things that are more real, right, like deploying a plane on multiple times per day, you have to take seriously all of the, all of the challenges in the broader ecosystem maybe if you were in some secluded flight test range flying once a day and you you would have a very different experience so learned a lot in that one and super exciting um uh, achievement for the team yeah no i mean i i think that's uh that's uh that's a good way to follow up on this episode you know maybe get on an actual flight in the future but uh i i think what what's so fascinating about what you guys are working on over at ampere is that you're taking a approach to decarbonization of electric air travel by starting with smaller planes and shorter range air travel, um, which seems kind of contrarian to what you traditionally hear from an outsider who's not working in the space. You know, the, the typical conversation around decarbonization efforts is, can we use renewable natural gas or biogas to power our big 747s or maybe even hydrogen? Is that going to be the future of decarbonized air travel? But you guys have been taking a look at it saying, well, what's the next step? And by focusing on this niche of smaller, shorter range aircrafts and using batteries, um, it really begs the question of what did you see and your co-founder see that led you to believe that that's the right way to approach this when we're thinking about a broader decarbonization effort across the entire aviation industry? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it always goes kind of back to the mission, which is at the core, you know, the heart of the company. So trusted, practical and compelling. You were trying to find really pragmatic ways to bring positive impact to the world in a rapid timeline. And while I actually believe that that this is a going to be a portfolio of solutions where sustainable aviation fuels and, and a number of the, the, the options that you mentioned very well might make it to market, the, the simple reality is that you're not going to, to jumpstart the industry and the, the market by electrifying a 737. Right. That's just that the technology, the regulations, the challenges, the cost, it's just it's not the practical place to start. And so this is where we where the conversations we had, you know, we founded the company and have this North Star vision of you know, vertical takeoff and landing supersonic, fully electric jets. Right. And that is so cool. And that's definitely someday if it becomes possible, we want to be the kind of company that can develop 
the underlying technology that enables it. But we are very pragmatic in, in our approach and in how we think through it. And so the question was, well, what do we need? Do we need to be able to fly supersonic initially? N not really. That's not the core requirement. Do we need to be able to take off and land vertically from your driveway? It's nice. It's a great vision. And a lot of people are working on it. But like, it's not necessary initially. And then even do we need to design a brand new airplane? Or can we do something that's meaningful enough with the you know trillion dollars of assets in these airplanes that already are out in the market? And the answer is yes, we can actually do that upgrade. And so it's, it's about kind of peeling away the layers, understanding what the true requirement is. And then when this is really important, checking with the customers to see if they care, right? Because it's one thing to be a technologist with a great idea, and of course, everybody wants to buy it. But what was really important is very soon after founding the company, we went directly to the airlines and asked and talked to them and listened to them and, and understood what do they actually need. And you don't want to be, you know, there's, you know, uh, Henry Ford saying, uh, you know, they would have asked for a faster horse. And, and sure, you have to watch out for for when they ask for something that's too, too narrow minded or myopic. But, um, but when you when you really focus in on the customers, their needs, you on you kind of read between the lines there, it enables you to maybe take a more pragmatic approach and still bring a meaningful product to market. And so that was really where the insights came from. And and where what was that problem that led you guys to decide that hey converting small electric aircrafts because traditionally when we think about it or if I go through a first principles thought I'm like well batteries are mm -hmm. heavy and planes need to be light otherwise they can't carry heavy loads so when that conversation with the customers happened what was the core problem you guys discovered and then what was the innovation on your guys side that led to that actually turning into the product that is Ampere today. Yeah, you know, well, you, you hit spot on, you know, electric vehicle technology is great, but batteries are relatively heavy compared to, especially to, to fuel. And, and so airplanes need to be light in order to fly. And we're, especially when you're working with existing airplanes, that means you're within the, the constraints of how heavy they can be. And really then you end up trading system weight versus useful payload. Useful payload's how you get revenue, right? So this is this is the key, right. the key trade. And so it's it's working within, of course, uh, having realistic projections for where battery technology will be. This is part of the reason why we where why we decided that you know hybrid electric is gonna have an enduring position in this industry um, that enables longer range, higher payload. Uh, usefulness of the planes. And then the, the, the last part is, again, looking at the evolution of, of the technology, the industry, the regulations, the customer adoption, public readiness. It makes sense to begin in this corner of the market, smaller planes, um, and, and kind of prove it, prove its safety, prove its usefulness, prove the value propositions, and then scale from there. And so, and that's really, that's, that's really where, um, where we, we made those decisions given those limitations and challenges and, and are in the process of proving and, and eventually we'll, we'll scale it out to, um, to, you know, the, the rest of the industry. So I guess that leads me to my next question because, you know, obviously you've been now in the space for well over close to half a decade, uh, well over yeah, half a yeah, decade yeah. now. 
and been building hybrid electric planes, obviously as a transitional technology here um, towards true 100% decarbonization in the aviation industry. What is that one market trend or that macro trend you're seeing in this industry that most investors, founders, and onlookers who are mostly looking at aviation passionately as opposed to actually working on the day-to-day, what are those insights or trends that you're seeing that get you really excited about what's coming down the pipeline when it comes to maybe fully electric planes or hydrogen-powered planes or more hybrid electric solutions? Because I imagine just hybrids alone in uh, vehicles can have significant uh, uh, decarbonization mm-hmm. impact. And I imagine it's the same with uh, aviation as well. It, it certainly is. I think the one of the most exciting nuances here that the average person probably wouldn't realize is in most cases, it seems, people assume that a sustainable solution costs a premium that, oh, you want to get your electric or hybrid electric car, well, you'll have to play, pay, pay 50% more, or your, your, your total cost of ownership will go up, or you're going to pay the, the green premium for that low carbon solution in, in other infrastructure. And the, the exciting thing about electrified aviation is that it actually, the total cost of ownership for a hybrid electric, and especially for a fully electric plane, the total cost of ownership is significantly lower than if you were to have that same utility of a plane combustion and it's because the combustion engines have such significant maintenance and such significant and expensive fuel burn that the regular overhauls of those engines and the the heavy fuel burn that they that they have um, far outweighs the cost of operation of the the much simpler lower maintenance electric vehicle systems even when taking into account battery pack replacements and uh, and and with with the cost of uh, of electricity, even when you're taking into the, the risk of having to deal with some demand charges, you're still saving significant money on those operating costs. And now that is a value proposition really? that most people don't recognize and didn't wouldn't think initially. But we're not here to sell a premium product. We're here to sell a sustainable product that has a strong economic value proposition. And that as soon as people realize that, then it's not that we're like pushing green tech onto onto the aviation industry. They're actually going to be jumping onto this technology because of the economics, as well as because of the sustainability. And that means it's going to be an enduring solution that will ultimately win out in the markets. I mean, it's kind of like what Tesla did with the Roadster, kind of looping back to the beginning of the conversation, where they built a sexy looking sports car that went zero to 60 really quick and that's what people were buying for and just happened to be electric Um, and as as their technology matured they were able to push further i had no idea that actually a hybrid electric solution or an electric aircraft would actually cost significantly less on the maintenance side because well i guess the engines are going to be smaller right the the, an electric drivetrain is probably going to be significantly easier to maintain over mm-hmm. time. And battery pack replacements are probably easier than repairing a full engine in an aircraft. So now you've kind of simplified the entire drive. 
I wonder, do, do you actually reduce the weight of an overall plane then by switching to hybrid electric or is there a weight gain there? Generally, so remember, weight is your, whether it's the system weight or the payload, right? So we try to not eat sure. into the payload capability of the plane. If you were wow. able to carry, okay. you know, a, a, let's call it 10 people on a plane previously, we don't want to cut out a thousand pounds and have you only down to nine or sorry, down to down to five people. Um, but there are Got customers it. who don't need, you know, a full set of seats. And in that case, we could put more batteries really is what it would come down to, which gives you a more electric solution. And the more electric you are, the lower the operating cost overall. And so it's kind of a virtuous cycle. But it's always that balance between, you know, useful revenue generating payload and and system weight. And so we we generally are not going to be lighter weight uh, because if we could be lighter weight, uh, we would fill up all that extra weight with more batteries. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. OK, so it, it really comes down to the use cases of the end owner of that plane, what they're looking to achieve. And, with it. and very so, generally, so makes... like because we're not going to build a custom plane for each each individual owner. Right. And so it's sure. about it's about modeling <laughs> sure. the market and finding, you know, what are the what are the segments and then delivering products that meet the needs of each of those segments. So good example is the very, the launch products are going to be again, like a Prius, a, a hybrid electric where you don't need to plug in. Now that's really interesting. I mean, mm. but a, a Prius also wasn't saving, you know, all of it saved some of the fuel, right? 20, 25%. Right. And that's a good start. Now, in our in a different architecture of hybrid, you could save thirty to fifty percent of the fuel, or fully electric, you'll you'll cut out all the fuel and maybe have a seventy to ninety percent uh, fuel cost savings when you're just comparing electricity. And so there are you know subsequent steps for for groups within the market where those alternate architectures will come out. But you know there are some launch customers who really. You know, the infrastructure is not going to be there for them to charge the planes. So we want the planes to be able to fly infrastructure independent like the Prius. And, and I think that's what makes this such a fascinating approach that you guys have attacked, because we're now looking at a real deep focus into what's the next logical step for these plane owners and operators to, to actually take, because you know, if you told me, hey, let's get onto a all electric plane, I'd still have a little bit of hesitancy, even though you've flown as much as you guys have. But if you tell me it's hybrid, I have a little bit more confidence in the actual system because I'm like, well, I know the engine's not going to fail on me and I know they have fuel there. So let's give it a shot. This could be an interesting experience. And and it's almost like a really interesting user experience case study in that nature. Yeah, and it, so I guess that... Yeah, oh, yeah, ahead. I think it yeah. is. It is. As you, you pointed out a, a good bridge in like people's emotional, their willingness to adopt the technology. Um, now, we, we actually believe that the fully electric system is ultimately going to be more reliable, uh, driving a higher, higher level of, of safety of flight, for example, than than the combustion uh, baseline. But with that said, there's still a lot to be proven. Right. And and people and yeah. I've heard it quite a few times, people feel comfortable with with technology that they know. And the hybrid step is it seems feels more comfortable to a lot of people than the step to fully electric. 
um, even though fully electric, um, you know, I believe will be readily adopted uh, eventually. And, and I'm sure there needs to be active conversation with like the FAA regarding regulation for an all electric aircraft and and far more safety checks, because I, I can't imagine that anyone's really fully prepared for all electric planes uh, moving people and payloads from point A to point B. Um, is that also a really strong reason why you've seen heavy adoption in hybrid electric kind of conversion so far? Well, uh, the the you're you're right that actually you know there's no one delivering a commercially viable electric airplane yet. Now there are there are personal electric airplanes out there. There's a two seater that's being sold out of Europe, okay. a light sport aircraft. And if you wanted to fly for 45 minutes around a sing around an airport and land, maybe even do like a flight training mission, you can actually do that today. And, and hmm. so there are people who are selling and buying those types of planes. Now the regulatory bodies, you're right, are not, are not yet, you know, only, only that one group has really walked through the pathway. There are a lot of companies, a handful at least, who are very seriously, like Ampere, working with the regulators to, to bring uh, safe products to market. And, uh, and, and so those conversations on, you know, is the, um, is the hybrid electric system, how does that balance in, in kind of all the safety considerations versus a fully electric system? And, and of course, um, and of, of course the, uh, the, the regulators, their job is to make sure that all these vehicles, once they're out in the public eye, are, um, are unquestionably safe. Got it. So I, I guess the one thing I, I really am curious about that I like asking every guest that comes on here if you had to give a piece of advice to other investors or even founders early on in their own clean tech journey, even if they're not in electric aviation or you know the the airline industry in general, what's what's that one thing you wish you knew six years ago when you were starting Ampair and putting the screwing the first bolts in to to convert? Convert airlines. What's that thing you wish you knew that you think could really benefit someone else that's just trying to get started, be it with a hardware solution or even a software product in the clean tech space? Yeah, I mean, what I would what I would recommend is is really define define your your mission personally and and as a company. And know that from just have it clearly understood from the very beginning. Um, check on it on occasion. You know, it was a few years actually before we codified ours and really, really fine tuned that. And and what I've found is that when an organization has a very clear mission from the from the the the, the top of the company all the way through, every contributor knows it, believes it, uh, dreams it when they're when they're sleeping that builds a level of consistency a level of, of uh, resiliency especially through the hard times and that if you're getting started on something it's knowing why you're there and what you're what you're setting out to achieve it, in ours it, it talks about the the impact that we're trying to create the positive impact in the world about the approach how we're going about it and i think these are the guiding factors that that motivate and um and align a team and I, uh, I, we luckily we did it early, but I would have been happy to do it even two years before then. And so I'd highly recommend, you know, it's a, it's a generalizable, 
to to any any endeavor you know set the mission and uh and then take it from there awesome so is uh ampere hiring or if people wanted to stay in touch with ampere even post acquisition now um how can they continue to follow the journey of your guys rocket ship in uh decarbonizing electric uh, or decarbonizing aviation as an industry and leaving your guys mark in this entire uh world really um so if uh, people wanted to stay in touch with you guys follow you or reach out how would be the best way possible so we are absolutely hiring uh, hiring aggressively and so go to ampere.com/careers and uh and and many of the jobs are listed there more jobs will be coming out we're trying to keep it to kind of the 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 core immediate uh positions but check regularly for something that looks like it aligns if you're deeply passionate about this uh send an email to talent at ampere.com and uh and include your resume and, and what what kind of position you think you'd be you'd be great for and why you're so passionate about working at a company like ampere would be happy to consider you um follow follow awesome. us on social media uh just search ampere uh, or you know you can you can google ampere electric aircraft and i'm sure you'll be able to find all of all of those items and um and yes uh, please reach out and if uh, if you know anybody as well who might be interested um, feel free to send our information over to them too awesome well kevin i'm gonna let you get back to your day so that you can get more electric planes out there into the world and I appreciate you coming on the green room. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are listening on Spotify, please make sure to add this to your favorite episodes and also consider sharing it on social. And if you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review with uh, your thoughts from this episode. And of course, to also share and subscribe to this show. The Green Room is brought to you by The Impact. There's a free newsletter that you can find on readtheimpact.com, which shares plenty of insights, as well as brand new startups that we're finding that are pre-Series A, which could be opportunities for you, your fund, or potential co-founders to really want to check out and learn from. So with that being said, this is Swarnav Espajari from The Impact. It's been great to have you, and I'll see you in the next one.